Well, hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Single Moms Conversations with Kina. How are you? How are you? Well, welcome back. I told you I'll be back today. <laughs> Did I say that in the last podcast? I don't know. Well, welcome, 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 welcome. I know there's so much um, that can be spoken about when it comes to being a mom you know, in a single mother, it, it's really crazy. I never thought I would have so much to say. <laughs> you know, it goes to show you ladies, you know, you might think you don't have a jewel. You might think you don't have something, but you got something. You, you know what I mean? Am I making any sense to anyone? You might think that whatever you have, you can't offer to the world. But you got something, there's something about you that has greatness in it. And you have something to offer the world, all right? If no one's told you that, I'm telling you this today. I'm telling you this today. But I want to get into this conversation about housing because as mothers, we know food, clothing, and shelter is crucial, for the survival for our families to thrive and to live right we do know that right y'all know that i love you guys do you know that (laughs) okay all right all right all right all right and i want to talk about this has anyone noticed the prices they know As, as i said like come on look at these prices I know a couple, they lived in an apartment that was 1100 new rules, $1,500. i am hearing about people in Houston, Texas, how the prices are going higher and higher and higher. This is all over the country. Housing prices have no mercy. They have no mercy on us. Right, and we have to take care of our families. We cannot go and sleep on someone's couch with our children. Right? Our children have to have their own spaces. We have to have our own things in our own homes. Right? Right? You got it all. You got it, you got it all, you got it all. I know. More drama, blame mama. Okay. If the father's not involved, they'll say the daddy, my daddy wasn't here. But all the other stuff is going to get blamed on you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We try to do the best we can with the skills that we have. You know, we try. And I know that if you're listening and you're here, it's because, look, you're trying to find a better way, another way, something different. Right, something different, but I just want to get into these housing prices because it's really, really bad, and no one wants people with Section Eight anymore. They don't want the guaranteed rent, and it's because of the whole stigma that came with Section Eight. It's it's a terrible stigma. Um, people with this subsidy are not looked at as individuals a lot of times. They're looked at as what the past people have done and what other people have done. This is how they looked at, right? So if you have your voucher, 
you are zoned to stay in a certain neighborhood. You're staying with the criminals. You're staying with the felons. You're staying in a certain zone. You're raising your children in a high crime area. And now these areas where at least you could find a place to go with your family. You might not be the safest, but you're making, th- you're making it through. You know what I'm saying. You're making it through. Now they're turning and they're saying, we don't want it no more. We're done. I was looking at the news and I was looking at um, Cobb County in Georgia's news. They're right outside of Atlanta. These housing complexes there, they're just getting rid of Section 8 tenants. They're like, you got to go. Just like that. Oh, you've been here for how many years? 30? Okay, well, bye. Still. Still, you can go. Bye. Thank you. Here's your reward for our love, right? 30 years? All right. Goodbye. 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 So these women who have been living in these apartments for all these years are now being tossed out in 60 days with everything that they own, everything that they have. The neighborhoods that they know and they grew up in and raised their children in, they, they have to go. They have to go. Now, I'm, I'm two-sided with this, and I need y'all to bear with me with this whole thing, okay? Can you, can you bear with me? I'm very, very, very two-sided with this. Now, when I lived in the housing projects, even though I was raised in the housing project, I kind of knew this ain't it. This is not it. This is not it. And I had to get out by the hook or the crook. You know what I'm saying? I had to get out. I knew this wasn't it. This is not where I want to raise my kids. This is not it. This high crime, you know, Lord knows. Go back in my other podcasts. I describe um, where I lived in Lewis Pink Houses, housing projects in Brooklyn. Um, terrible. And I remember when people were asking me why I would leave and I'm thinking, why would I stay in this? Now you have um, the people with the Section 8 vouchers, they're being zoned to high crime areas, but at least there was a place for them to go. You know, you, you take the bull with the horns, you know, at least it was a place for them to go. The pro- these apartments are turning on them. So now they're forced to gather up 30 years or 20 years of their life and move out someplace that they're not familiar with without great transportation and such and such and such that's one side of me I'm very sympathetic they have my whole heart because it's kind of sad when you gotta just okay up oh, gotta go just like that just like that but they still have their vouchers but they have the problem is they have to go to a place that you know they don't know they don't know these ladies are not young girls they're you know women who have raised their children and probably grandchildren and such and such and such the other side of me Brooklyn King that says nobody owes you anything nobody owes you one thing and that's how you have to deal with the world you can't wait for somebody to give it to you sometimes you got to go out and do your own thing you got to take it right you got to go out there and work hard you got to go out there and move mountains shake the earth rattle the sun to take care of your children because just because they're giving you something today it doesn't mean it's promised to you tomorrow and here's the catch it's not the government that's saying i don't 
I'm not giving out no more vouchers, right? They're not. They're not. They're not. They said 2.2 million people receive Section 8 vouchers. Really, in terms of how many people is in the country, that's not a lot of people. That's not a lot of people. But it's the landlords who are fed up. It's the landlords who are tired of the repairs. They're tired of when someone moves in with the voucher. They know they might have generations of families moving in with this person with this low rent. Yeah, it happens. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen three generations in one house and they're all struggling to pay, you know, <laughs> the low low price of 275 you know <laughs> I've, I've seen it i've seen people who won't, would not leave uh terrible housing situations because of the price of the rent because they were mentally trained to live like this but it might be low rent but you're paying in another way so i'm so one-sided I'm, i'll probably go back and forth back and forth with this right but no one counted on the landlord saying, no, I'm tired, I'm tired. I can't keep paying for these repairs. I can't keep paying for you to have so many people in your house and everybody's home all day and nobody's working. You know, we, we can't keep paying for the, what, what comes with this voucher. I get it. I get it. But there's also good women who get the voucher i know women who've gotten the voucher who went on to do i think it's called um something homes where section eight has a program where you can if you're working some of your money go towards rent right but they take the, that money and they put it in an account for you and everything is you, you sign up for it, right? And then when it's time for you to get your house, when it's time for you to look for a home, and I believe it's um, HUD Homes. I don't quote me on this. Look it up yourself. They have your down payment for your house already, right? So it's a good program. And I know a few ladies who've taken it, who have taken advantage of these programs right so it's not all bad i know ladies who said you know what nope i'm gonna do this while i'm in school and once i get out of school it's just me and my kids because you know i haven't talked with my mommies you know <laughs> i did i would have talk with my mommies but don't let no man come in here and move in on you okay matter of fact don't have that many visitors to this house because you don't want to have the landlord thinking that you know you're going to have one of those loose open houses and things like that and i have ladies who have taken heed to that brought their homes moved on with life it's a beautiful beautiful thing right it's a beautiful beautiful thing i've had plenty of ladies who did the right thing with their housing too they go buy their houses they live in their little housing projects what have you then they go buy their houses you know after they're making their money and doing what they have to do i have seen it i've seen both sides of it it's just a shame that one side of it overtakes the good side and the people who actually benefit from it i know some people who did not live in housing projects for years i knew i met a couple when i was in pink houses they was like no we only here for a year we're going to stack our money and then we out and that's exactly what they did now when i moved in 
It was a Russian family and a Chinese family. Look, and I looked up, they was gone. You know, so it depends. It depends on the person. It depends on what they want to do. But right now, ladies, if any of you are out there and you are in housing projects, if you're in um, low income housing, if you're in Section 8 housing, I need you to understand that the prices, the pricing, the housing prices right now are something I have never seen in all my years. And it's something that um, I don't think anyone saw coming. I don't think anyone saw this coming. And it's kind of, it's really, really sad and scary. If you are in a situation where you're getting a subsidy, I need you to understand this is not something you should keep forever. I need you to understand what's going on. The tables are turning. It's not the government. It's the landlords itself. They're saying we're not doing this anymore. Once the landlord refuses, nothing the government can do, right? If he puts you out, you got to go into a homeless shelter. You know, in New York City alone, over 100,000 children were put into homeless shelters through the pandemic. Could you imagine that? So, you know, they got mamas. That's a lot of kids for one city, right? That's a lot of kids. So I need you to be mindful. If you're one of the people who have this voucher, you're in low-income housing you're in a housing project this is a temporary situation do not make a temporary situation a long-term situation the same with any subsidy you may get do not make a temporary situation be a long-term situation set up pray on it think about it keep thinking about an exit plan you need to have a bona fide surefire exit plan this cannot be your life because it leaves you at the mercy of people you understand whenever they say we're done these women were given 60 days to wrap up their life and get on out you cannot afford to have this done to you you cannot afford it and this is for my mommies that are in subsidies my other mommies what's up <laughs> how y'all doing where's my mommies with a master plan where's my mommies with the game plans we need to stay focused on what we're doing i will speak until i am blue in the face about this focus we have to focus on what we're doing because we cannot be in a position whereas if they pull something away from you you are in dire straits you are fragile you falling apart no mother no mother this is not what we're doing this is not what we're doing no 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 if no one ever taught you if no one ever told you you're listening so i know you're smart i already know you're bright you're already listening you know something else has got to give right how are we gonna get these skills are we doing billing coding what we doing we doing something nothing is promised to you nothing nothing and we're in a country where i can assure you they do not they will they are not taking care of the kids they're not taking care of the families all the other countries they do 
help out the families That's not where we are We're not going to complain about it We're not going to moan and cry about it And say what they should do for us We're going to say what we should do for ourselves Right and be great citizens While we're doing it too But mostly we're going to talk about what We can do for ourselves For us By us Just really sad Really sad Um, The ladies that I saw they were older ladies right so they did their time they had mad time with them vouchers they had a lot of time now i don't know if they had mental health issues um i don't know if they had health issues and listen the truth is no one cares right they don't care i was thinking more about what about my young mommies the one with little babies the ones who you know you got a two-year-old you got a three-year-old you got you know you got little itty bitty babies i thought about the kids the one with little kids you know what's gonna happen with them ladies sucker free we gotta be sucker free i know i used to preach this in my first podcast and i kind of was like girl everybody's not gonna understand what sucker free (laughs) means everybody's not gonna understand that They, they really aren't but i'm saying this to say my babies my mommies i love you have a plan or plan to fail at any given time whatever you're receiving from the government it can be taken away we cannot be in a position where we're on our knees and we're caught off guard there's no way to be caught off guard from this day forward if you listen to this podcast i need you to pray about it i need you to sit and think about it i need you to write it out i just did a gratitude uh, journal today now <laughs> I might um, put this picture on Instagram of my gratitude journal um, just to cover y'all. You know, I I went on to um, good old Canva, honey. And, you know, I talk about them. They don't sponsor me yet, but they coming. I'm going to put that out there in spurt, right? I'm going to put that out there in spirit. But y'all be careful. Be careful out there and you're not safe. You're not safe. I need you to approach this like, you know what? I can't let this help be a hindrance to my growth. We cannot let help be a hindrance to your growth. We cannot let help be a hindrance to your growth. When those ladies got their vouchers and I'm not passing judgment on these women, y'all get with me. 20 years ago, what was the housing prices in Georgia? They wasn't nowhere near what they are now. Had they taken the time to purchase a property or do something? I know life happens, but just think if you would have bought a house 20 years ago, you wouldn't have this issue. Right. So we're going to get into this. We're going to get into more of this. We're going to get into elevating, um, becoming better people. Try not to pass judgment But I just know how time can pass And I've seen people get very comfortable On these things Let me tell My mother moved into a housing project When she was 18 She died Still living in a housing project The same one she moved into When she was 18 Real talk Real talk I, I am from that I know I'm a product of it You hear me 
Do you understand? And this is the crazy part. The people I grew up with, they say the same thing. Yeah, it was cheap rent, but you paid another price. It was cheap rent, but you paid another price. But let me tell you, my mom made enough money to buy a house. She just was scared. (laughs) You see what fear can do? My mom made enough money. She made enough money to buy her own home. Yeah, she did. She did. And her and my stepfather, they could have got together and had a goal and said, you know what, we're going to buy a home. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But it's the state of mind that can be 90% of your issue. You know, I come from this. I can speak about it, right? So I'm on the fence with this. But hearing these stories and seeing it happen to these ladies only made me think about my mommies with the babies, you know, who can't, you can't go and live in somebody's living room with babies. I've seen it done. We've all seen it, right? We've all seen it. Oh, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. But anyway, I'm going to get into a quick uh, black history um, moment. If that's okay, can we do that? Can we do that? Oh, by the way, just a little quick um, fun facts here. 48% of these are the voucher holders. These are the people who hold the Section 8 vouchers. 48% are African-American people. 32% are white people. 17% are Hispanic and 2% are Asian. All right. So that's the numbers. That's the numbers. All right. That's the numbers. But let's get into a black history moment. Can we do that? I was going to do Benjamin Banneker, but let me do Sojourner Truth first. Can we do Sojourner Truth? Can we do that? I'm only doing one. I'm only doing one. (laughs) You're like, girl, you said two. Leave me. Leave me. Okay, I want to talk about Sojourner Truth, right? We all have heard about Sojourner and her strength and her, her mighty power. You know, she was an abolitionist. She did so much. She did so much for the people. Oh, you know... I can't I get excited when I think about Sister Sojourner because you know sometimes we think we have it hard and then we have to pay homage to the people before us who really did the work they got on the ground they got on the floor and they did it no matter what and that's why we say sometimes we have to do things no matter what so Sister Sojourner right humble to say it she was born Sojourner Truth was born in 1793 I mean so I'm sorry 1797 okay my words are starting to jump all over the place right and uh she's remembered in history as a strong black woman right and she was an activist and she was an uh, abolitionist who wanted to end slavery in the United States her first language was Dutch believe it or not her real name is Isabella Bumfrey, Bumfrey, but she chose the name Sojourner Truth. I know women who have ch- changed their names, okay? And that's perfectly, perfectly okay. It's perfectly okay. All right. So she was sold at the age of nine years old to a very violent um, slave owner. And because she spoke only Dutch, she endured more beatings than everyone else. She had five children. And she was married to another slave. Uh, what else about Sister Sojourner? Sister Sojourner, um, son was the slave owner was trying to sell her son into slavery, and she asked. She took him to court, and she won. She won her case in court. Who knew that? <laughs> 
who knew that um her owner John Neely promised her freedom if she would stay on the plantation but he did not keep his promise so she escaped from him so the neighbors purchased blah 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 oh my god all right i want to talk about sojourner truth can we talk about sojourner truth just for a few minutes and i'll be quick i'll be fast okay so sister sojourner truth uh should i say you know the honorable sojourner truth was born in 1797 her name her birth name or the name she was given was isabella bomb free b-o-m-f-r-e-e and she had a, a Dutch speaking slave master. So she only spoke um, Dutch. She was sold four times and she was subjected to really harsh labor and violent punishments. In her teens, she was united with another slave to whom she had five children with, beginning in 1815 uh, to 1827, right? A year before New York's law of freeing slaves was to take an effect, Truth ran away with her infant Sophia to a nearby abolitionist family, the Van Wiggins. The family brought her freedom for $20 and helped Sojourner successfully sue for the return of her five-year-old son, Peter, who was illegally sold into slavery in Alabama, and she won her case. The Truth um, moved to New York City in 1828, and she worked for a local minister and that's where she learned how to speak charismatically to people about you know her how she felt about women's rights and the truth about being a slave and she actually got to tell her story about being a slave to um, President Abraham Lincoln which I found to be amazing she was an abolitionist and she spoke out for women's rights especially black women's rights right she is very very famous for her speech ain't I a woman oh my goodness you hear that y'all ain't I a woman right ain't I a woman you know they said that she was a very strong looking woman she was nearly six feet tall and they said she had like a very powerful um presence when she entered a room or when she came into a place just just amazing just amazing she also helped to recruit black soldiers for the union war and for the for the union army um so we're gonna just honor sister sojourner uh the honorable sojourner truth excuse my words and there's of course there's always more information that you can find out about um the honorable sojourner truth just going out there google it um be careful what you read on google because i had to do a few searches to get what i needed you know what i'm saying just that little information that i just gave you was a little it was a little search it was bizarre Okay, so we just want to make sure that we are paying homage to the people who came before us and the people who laid the ground for us because ain't our woman amazing, um, just amazing. You know, it just reminds me of um, this book I was reading, and they were talking about um, slavery. Right. And I, I look at her picture and I look at her body. You know, they talk about her stature and how big she was and everything. And just to understand that we were a people that was bred, you know, we were a people that were bred. 
just just to get that and then when they found the 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 bodies the the skeletons the artifacts at the african burial ground they knew who they were because of the conditions of the bones because of the type of work that was done the bodies deformed and they were bigger in certain places they had overgrown arms and it's just a crazy thing to even think about isn't it ladies it's crazy so we pay homage to those who was here before us right we pay homage to those who were here before us i hope you're getting some value from this podcast and if you don't believe me you know what i always say do the math y'all go out here and search for yourself go and see but we had to just take a a minute to honor sister sojourner truth right (laughs) okay thank you so much for listening you could be any place else in the world but you are here with me and i appreciate you and i will talk to you soon bye-bye Tell me.